Hey, welcome to the Living Box Free Podcast. I'm Ashley Insights from On The Rise, and my podcast co-host, Becky Ford, is not here at the moment. She is out on maternity leave. She had a wonderful baby boy, Sawyer, about a month ago, and we had pre-recorded a few episodes so that she could take a break, and this is going to be the last of those pre-recorded episodes, which means we're going to end season one after this episode and take a break. I'm headed out on a short sabbatical, and Becky needs a little bit more time with Sawyer before we pick up again. So we're going to take a couple weeks off. Just wanted to give you a heads up, and I hope you enjoy this episode on Unconscious Bias, and we will see you again in Season 2. Thanks, guys. Hey, guys. Welcome to Living Box Free. Another week, another wonderful week here on the podcast. I'm Ashleen Seitz. And I'm Becky Ford. We are talking about uncovering unconscious bias today. And I'm pretty excited. Yeah. I think I'm wondering how many people, when I even say that, are like, I don't know what you're talking about. Probably quite a few, Mm -hmm. I would guess. it's, It's something that a lot of people talk about in the workplace, but I don't know that we talk about it necessarily in other places. So I'm I'm excited to hear Becky's thoughts and to talk about it. Before we do that, what's on the rise for you, Becky? What is on the rise for me this week is probably the most organized bedroom I think Tristan and I have had in a long time. <laughs> of all time. Of all time. This is uh, the week I'm just getting like final things done. Our closet, when we first moved in, I mean, we've, we've always had like a good amount of clothes and shoes, but the shoes have definitely increased <laughs> like drastically. <laughs> Tristan still has his first CrossFit shoes from Kansas from oh, wow. seven, seven, eight years ago. I want to ask why, but it's probably <laughs> They're a sentimental, question. very okay. sentimental because I asked the same thing. Got it. I did a Goodwill trip earlier what too. What if you like cut off a piece of them and framed it? Oh, like a shadow box. Yeah. Instead yeah. of keeping both the shoes. It would smell less. It would be condensed in that. Just a thought. Good idea. Thank you. Yeah. (laughs) I'll attribute that to you when I cut up his shoes. Perfect. (laughs) So, so like our closet, we got these shoe racks, all the shoes are organized, like just every little, I feel like I've gone through like drawers and whatnot. And I'm trying to be very intentional about where things are so that when we bring baby home, like everything is organized and in place and it's simple. I'll probably forget where I put something. However, it's organized, everything we need's in there, and uh, it feels good. It feels yeah. good that it's, yeah, very, okay. very in place. You ready for baby Aragon? Aragon is coming home. <laughs> <laughs> What's on the rise for you? I have have several building projects. I just finished one for my friend Kim and her dog Heidi, made a platform for her dog to sit on. That was a fun, difficult, difficult but fun project, and then I discovered I wanted it to be pretty like not indestructible, but I wanted to make it so that, you know, it was kind of waterproof and scratch proof or whatever. Cause it was for, a, you know, a dog. Yeah. And then I realized that by doing that, by putting polyurethane and stain on it, I made it incredibly slippery. Oh, no. <laughs> it's like the only way I could have made it more slippery is if I waxed it. Oh <laughs> like, man. So that was a mistake <laughs> on my part, but I'm also planning on building a bedside table for one of my friends and or a chair side table actually. And building myself a desk. So some building projects Lots on the rise. Building. I Pretty love excited. that. She's so skilled. Yep. Well, let's uh, let's jump into our episode here, Unconscious Bias. As Ash said, some of you maybe have not even heard of this. 
And quite often we do hear about it in the workplace or organizations. And this year, 2020, I mean, we've had George Floyd's death and that has created a huge dialogue around racism. And that has even deepened in lots of organizations, this conversation around unconscious bias. And we'll talk about why here in just a moment. I want to give a quick shout out. So the content that we're talking through today has really been derived from two places, and I'm going to link some articles in our podcast notes. So one of those, uh, a program that I'm in, it's a class, it's called Edge at Work. It's through Butler University. Uh, We did a course on unconscious bias, and in my little cohort group, one of our gals, Tenacity, if you listen to this, she led us through this, and it has been my favorite lesson we've done so far through this program. So I, it really stood out to me. I went and geeked out with Ash after I went through the course. So some of the content is coming from that. And then also a great TED Talk from Virginia Alexander, and I'm going to link that TED Talk here as well, and uh, really, really good illustrations in that TED Talk that can help us better identify and understand what is unconscious bias and how is that how is that different and how does that play a role in our life? Were you taking a bath when you watched that TED Talk? Yes, I was. <laughs> what, what? Best of both worlds, some bubbly oh boy. and some inspirational speakers. <laughs> That's how, what, what makes Becky happy? That's it. That's it. That's it. Right there. And CrossFit, actually. And CrossFit. <laughs> okay, so here's the three key uh, chunks we're going to go through today. One, what is unconscious bias? Let's define it. Let's make sure we understand what is it. Then we're going to go into what are some common types. So there's actually labels for some common types of unconscious bias. And if you're like me, you might hear some of these and be like, oh my gosh, I never realized that was a bias that I had or I've observed. And then the last one is what should we do, right? We're talking about it. We know what it is. Now what? So that'll be the last piece. To kick things off, I'm actually going to tell a story. Great. I love stories. <laughs> Good. So this story is you are going to be the main character. Ooh, you exciting. individually. So all of our listeners, if you're driving, do not close your eyes. <laughs> if you are sitting at home, feel free to close your eyes. And I want you to visualize and paint the picture and see the scene as I talk through it. So you are running to catch a flight because people are traveling a lot again. <laughs> you're running to catch a flight. You make it through security. You go to your gate, then you get on the plane, and there's the pilot, and the pilot's greeting you. You go and you grab your seat. You get to this new city that you're traveling to, and you find a local restaurant. You go to this local restaurant, and you have one of the most incredible meals of your life. And as you're sitting there savoring your food, you look over, and you see a couple happily celebrating their anniversary. After that, you then go to uh, your hotel, you go to sleep. That next day, you go to the biggest technology conference in the world. And the CEO steps on stage, the CEO of the hottest tech company at that time, they step on stage to start their talk. All right, you can open your eyes. If you're driving, I hope you did not close your eyes. (laughs) (laughs) That was a long time to close your eyes if you did. Okay, so here's a few questions. You're running late to your flight You step on the plane and the pilot greets you. What color is the pilot? White. Yeah. Most likely you you pictured a Caucasian. Yeah. You go to the restaurant. You see a happy couple celebrating their anniversary. What's that couple look like most likely? Uh, They were older but white, yeah. Were they uh, a male and a male or a female and a female? 
a male and a female. A male and a female. Okay. And then you see the CEO of this hot tech company step on stage. What gender was that CEO? Oh, male. I didn't even think of that. Yes. What gender? So this, this picture, actually the TED talk that I'm linking, she talks through this story and she is the CEO on stage. Okay. She goes, how many of you pictured me? Right. Most people don't. Nope. So here's, here's a little bit to explain the why behind what you saw. I feel so exposed. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I'm curious and I'm curious, most of our listeners, they probably saw what you saw, Ash. And the reason for this is our brain. So our amygdala, it is going to think of what is most familiar. Hmm. And that is what is going to connect with those visuals. And we commonly think what is the most popular thing that I see? I usually see a Caucasian pilot. That has been what's most popular in my experience. Oftentimes you see couples, you think male, female, and you think CEO, high up, uh, C-suite, you think male. Those are the most common things. And so that's when we visualize, that's commonly what we think of. However, this amygdala, our brain, when we see something that is uncommon, it actually causes that fight or flight instinct. So it actually, it raises our cortisol level and it, it causes us to potentially be a little bit more uncomfortable. Uh, and once again, this all comes and stems from what is most familiar to you. So if you put yourself in a setting, oftentimes where women are CEOs, then when you see a woman step on stage as a CEO, that might not be uncommon to you. But that is what creates this unconscious bias because our brains automatically are thinking of what has been the most popular scenario that we've seen for these different types of people or these roles. I didn't know that about the fight or flight thing. That's That makes total total sense, but I just hadn't thought yes. about it. So that's why. And actually, I have to reference a commercial here that I absolutely love. Okay. It is a progressive commercial. It's on it's either on Prime or Hulu, but it's a progressive commercial. And there's a doctor called Dr. Rick. And Dr. Rick says, you know, I'm here to help new homeowners not become their parents. Oh, yeah. Have you seen this? Yes, I have. My favorite part of this commercial, they're like in a Home Depot store. And there's like two guys, two men standing on either side of him. And a guy walks by with blue hair. Yeah. And he goes, we all see it. We all see it. <laughs> and th- these other two two guys, you could just see them wanting to explode. Yep. And then all of a sudden one of them goes, Blue, <laughs> blue. And he's like, we all see it. You don't need to say it. And so, and it's just so funny because you think of our, our parents or the older generation yeah. seeing someone with blue hair, like they just stare and you're yeah, like, mom, dad, yeah. stop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And so once again, it's like, it causes those horm- the cortisol to mm-hmm. change because it's uncommon for you. And that's a part of our genetics, that fight or flight. It's just, it's different. And back in the day that saved us when we saw a new predator or whatever, that's unfamiliar. Yeah. Your stress raises. And I'm curious how early that actually starts. Cause I'm thinking about, mm. I often confuse toddlers because I have short hair and I'm female and toddlers are often confused. I frequently get asked to the total embarrassment of parents. Am I a boy or a girl? Oh, I don't think I've ever heard, heard that no. from you. Uh, and one of my one of my little cousins was super confused for a long time. And I could tell she was just staring at me and I was like, what's, what's going on? Mm-hmm. Finally, she said, you, are you a boy or a girl? Because you have short hair and you drink beer. Oh, and I was like, yes, sometimes girls have short hair and drink beer. Yes. That is a good observation. Good job. 
you've you've thought your way through that one. <laughs> yeah, that's a really good question. I would think it would have to be when the brain of a and maybe we'll use my child as a science experiment here. Yes. Please, <laughs> when the brain of that child is starting to recognize visuals and probably learn language too. Yeah, but like I just think of cartoons and the fairy princess movies and all that stuff. It whether you as a parent realize it or not, it is subconsciously creating. This is, this is the norm. You're normalizing something. Yeah. yeah. Like these princesses wear dresses right. or the, the, the prince is always the hero or whatever. Right. Yeah. I just find it funny. And the parents are always so embarrassed, but I'm, I'm like, I'm happy to bust the stereotype. Like, that's fine. That's I don't a good mind. thing. I would rather they ask me than be like, just be confused. You know? Yes. Yeah. It's fine. It's a that is the beautiful thing about care. kids is yeah. they're going to tell you the truth and I'm they're going to offended. It's no. Fine. That's awesome. I I'd not heard that. So yeah, so that that's setting the stage for what is unconscious bias. The the definition here of unconscious bias, it's actually also known as implicit bias. So unconscious or implicit bias is often defined as a prejudice or unsupported judgment in favor or against a thing, a person or a group as compared to another. So I think it's important here to also say it's it's not just people, but it could be things as well or groups compared to other groups. So we've talked. So unconscious bias or implicit bias is one type. You basically you unconsciously you don't know that you feel this way. The other type of bias is that deliberative prejudice bias known as conscious bias. So you are aware that you are biased. And this once again, we're connecting this back to in 2020 we talk about racism, right? There could be people who unconsciously don't realize they are racist, but there are some people who consciously know that they are. Right. So I think it's important. That's why we talk about unconscious bias and, and conscious bias is because there is a difference. And with the unconscious bias or implicit, it's important to be able to recognize it exists and then to examine yourself because we all have it. Absolutely. We all have it based on how we were raised, what's familiar to us. And it's not something to be ashamed of, but it's something to address. Right. Yep. Here's one quote that I'll share. It's anonymous, um, but around unconscious bias. To know the true reality of yourself, you must be aware not only of your conscious thoughts, but also of your unconscious prejudice, bias, and habits. So that once again, just the importance of ignorance is bliss, right? Well, sorry, you're not going to be ignorant after this podcast. <laughs> you now know that unconscious bias exists. And it's important to understand that. And it's just going to help us all grow as people and as a community and society yeah. if we can break that down for ourselves. So we've talked about what is unconscious bias. We're going to focus on that. We're not going to focus on conscious bias, but unconscious. That's what we're going to look at. And we're going to talk through some very specific types. And this is what I dove into with our Edge at Work group. And um, Tenacity led us through this course and I loved it. There are things here that I, it's, you've heard of it, but you never had a label for it. And so it's, it could be helpful for you. The first one is the affinity bias or like me. And what that is, is it leads us to favor people who are like us. <laughs> in other words, they remind me of myself. They'll fit in around here. Yeah. <laughs> I can think of an example. My first job was with the Kansas Department of Agriculture and I loved it. And our team, almost all of us grew up on a farm. Almost all of us were in FFA. 
and almost all of us were state officers. And we, we don't get me like, we had such a fun team. When I look back though, uh, there probably wasn't that much diversity on that team. And once again, it was a very specific job focused on a specific industry, agriculture. So it was a beneficial to have background in that space. However, there's a lot of agriculture that's not traditional. We probably could have used, could have used some outside perspective, even to better understand the consumer, because oftentimes farmers and ranchers don't always have the best connection with the consumer and why they're thinking and demanding what they are. So that would have benefited that team. But we had this team that just attracted and, and our manager was hiring people that were, we were all very similar. We got along great, (laughs) but the diversity, we did not challenge our thought process or the product we were delivering as much as what we could have. So the affinity bias, that's a very popular one. That's the first one. The next one is a confirmation bias. This is the tendency to search for and interpret focus on and remember information in a way that confirms one's preconceptions. So for example, confirmation bias, they turned up early. This must mean they are good at managing deadlines because they showed up early. Hmm. So confirming, okay, this one action that this person took, they must be good. Yeah. Because they, they turned up early. They must be good at managing deadlines. However, maybe they show up early, but (laughs) doesn't necessarily mean they're going to get the work done by that deadline. Or if they're, they show up late one time that they're irresponsible. Yes, exactly. I think this comes out a lot. I don't, I don't know if you've heard the stereotype about the angry black man, but I think angry black woman, either way. Okay. Um, I think that's an example of confirmation bias. So it's like someone can be the most patient person in the world, but as soon as they express any aggressive emotion whatsoever, it confirms a stereotype in people's minds that they were already looking for. So someone could be patient for years, but the moment they express any frustration or anger, then they suddenly are confirmed to be in that category. Yes. I've seen that with several of my friends. One of my friends is often says, like, I don't want to be that person. I don't want to be that angry black man and have people see me that way. And it's, Mm -hmm. it's so frustrating to me to watch because people are kind of waiting for him to confirm that that thing that's just not true it just takes one time which is so unfair that you can't express your anger at all ever uh, because it confirms people's stereotypes of you that's a good example yeah so that's the confirmation bias (laughs) we'll jump into the next one here the halo effect bias when we perceive one great thing about a person and we let that halo glow like this one great thing they must be so good at so many other things. And here's an example. And I I even told Tristan, I was like, I've had this happen to me. An example, they're a great public speaker. Therefore, they must be great at managing people. Hmm. And I'm not saying I'm bad at managing people, but what's funny is I I worked in R&D for a year and a half at Elenco. And there are so many people way smarter than me in R&D. Like I was a communications major. However, I was able to communicate well And so then all of a sudden I became the person doing training with the R&D folks on what we called microbiome mapping, which was like, I was like, what's a microbiome? (laughs) And I just learned it. But they're like, oh, she must be so great at training on scientific stuff. I wasn't. 
I could just communicate well. Hmm. Now I I learned how to do it when they gave me that role. (laughs) But like that halo effect, you know, one good skill potentially making you think that person must be good at something else. It's, it's good and bad, right? It's nice to think like, oh my gosh, this person has talent. However, that talent does not always translate to other things that you might associate that person could be great at. And you might be overlooking people that are great at that. Yes. Because they're not great at the first thing. Yep. I feel like managers who are hiring, this is all super important for them to understand. Yes. This next one's the opposite of the halo effect. It's the cloven hoof effect. (laughs) This occurs when you generalize one negative aspect of a person to all areas of their performance. Oof. So for example, I don't like the way they dress. They must be lazy and unprofessional. So that's an example. I, I'll give one other example. And I don't know if you have any ash. At Alenco, we we have interns every summer. And most most years I help interview for those interns. And this one year I will never forget we had a candidate come in. And this goes back to like wanting to hire a diverse broad group and not that affinity effect. This intern talks about how they worked at Chipotle. And if you're in the agriculture world and, and people who really know me, they know I hate Chipotle because they put out a bunch of propaganda back in, I think it was 2007, 2008, about animal agriculture. And they had commercials with cartoon cows getting these huge syringes of injections <laughs> shot into them in these factories. And it was just, it was propaganda and it was, uh, trying to make consumers once again shift towards, you know, that hormone-free, grass-fed, whatever. Clearly you're not still bitter. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So this intern talks about how she worked for Chipotle, and immediately I could feel, once again, this cortisol, I could feel myself be like, like, no, she worked for for the bad side, the dark side. And that was hard for me. And we had a long conversation, those of us who were interviewing, um, because our company does sell antibiotics for animals and hormones and... Um, but other things like probiotics and enzymes, everything that keeps your animals healthy and all tools that are needed at certain points in time for the most part. So we had this big conversation. We did in, end up offering her a, a job, which was great. But once again, this is me self-identifying when I heard she worked for Chipotle, a company that I've grown, I, I hated from those early years of their yeah. propaganda. It was difficult for me. Yeah. She became the villain. Yeah. The villain in that story. <laughs> so that's, that's one example that I could share around that cloven hoof effect. I think this relates to something we've talked about, which is the good, bad split of when you see something bad in someone, not just writing them off as all bad, or when you see someone as good, not writing them off or deciding that they're all good. So understanding that people are complicated and they have everyone has somewhere they need to grow, something they need to grow in, um, things that are challenging for them and understanding that it's more complicated than that. Yeah, that's really good. No one is perfect. Yep. Yep. We'll jump to the next one here. The maternal bias, the maternal bias. This is something when I heard this, I was like, Oh my gosh, this is a label to something that I have seen or felt. And I did not know this was a bias. Yeah. And this goes into motherhood triggers, false assumptions that women are less committed to their careers and even less competent potentially. So Hmm. for example, she's got two little kids at home. She probably doesn't want the additional responsibility right now. So not giving a female, a mother, additional responsibility or special projects or whatever, because you're assuming she must be too busy at home. She's got kids. Right. And for me, being someone who is going to have their first child, 
and loving to work. This is a fear of mine. Like I do not want people to not give me opportunities to grow and challenge myself because I'm a mom now. And I, I have felt that, but I didn't know what it was until I went through this course and heard someone mention this type of bias. That makes so much sense. And I think it's interesting because we have to be aware that there are differences. Like there are differences between mothers and fathers and there are differences yeah. between women who are mothers and women who are not, but it's the assumption that's the problem. Yes, that's a good it's call It's the out. assumption without asking because you can say, oh, maybe maybe she does have too much going on with two kids at home, especially right now during COVID when you're home, everyone's homeschooling basically, you know, those kinds mm-hmm. of things, but you don't want to assume that. You want to say, oh, I'm assuming that. That's not necessarily fair. Let me talk to her about that and see what she wants to do, what she thinks, what her boundaries are, those kinds of things. So it's it's not that mothers aren't different. They can be, and their reality can be different, but we have to ask. Yes. I love that you call out. It's about the assum- assuming. Yep. You want to talk about our next one? <laughs> Appropriating. <laughs> Becky has trouble with this word. I do. <laughs> which I just read it for the first time recently, as in You're 20 a good minutes reader. ago. <laughs> So appropriating, as in appropriating, but appropriating, it's a man taking credit for a woman's idea. I have experienced often being in a meeting, I will say something, and no one either no one acknowledges it or they don't really pick up on it, and then a man will say the exact same thing, and they will notice that. That's the extent of this that I have experienced. I don't think I've ever had someone actually take full credit for my idea. Although technically I did say the idea and they then took it and said it themselves. But I don't think I've ever had, had it be that blatant. And I I do think, I know that this specific one talks about a man taking credit for a woman's idea. I've actually seen women take credit for another woman or a man's idea. Yes. And so I do think even though that this is talking gender specific, it definitely, I've seen it go both ways and it's maybe more of a character type of, uh, I don't want to say character issue. Character flaw. A character flaw. Yeah. Uh, and I've seen it presented two different ways, right? Like I think if you are presenting an idea on behalf of your team and you're making it known that it's be on behalf of your team, I think that's one thing. But yeah, when you present it for the first time like it's yours and it was really someone else's, yeah, that does not feel good. That's not, that's not a good thing. Yep. The last one here is performance bias. This performance bias goes into women being hired based on their past performance and men being hired more so for their future potential. So once again, not all companies are like this, but this is very interesting (laughs) that there's a bias amongst some people, some organizations where I'm going to hire you and and look at your past experience and see that you've proven yourself, Ash. But then, oh my gosh, this young buck out of college, he's, he communicates well, he seems passionate, he has so much potential. So it's interesting, once again, all of those HR people hiring managers out there, I, I mean, literally ask yourself, have you ever done that? Yeah. I There's a, a meme going around or was about, you know, how Kanye West decided he was running for president. Oh, yeah. <laughs> It, the meme or the post was basically now that Kanye West has said he's applying or he's, you know, going to run for president, 
we women need to understand that men will apply for any job, whether they are qualified for it or not. So women... (laughs) Go out and apply. Oh, my gosh. I have not seen that. You're so much more hip than me, following the trends oh, yeah. on social media. Oh, gosh. Okay. Uh, but so I think it's true. I, women tend to look at a job description and say, am I qualified for this? And yeah. they're like, do I, do I want this job? Yeah. That's where they usually typically start. That is not across the board, of course. So that's a good call typically. out. So sometimes you do it to yourself. Yes. Yep. Yeah, and then sometimes it's on the hiring end of things mm-hmm. too. Yep. Those those are the big buckets of unconscious bias that we're going to talk through today. There are more out there, but those are some of the most common ones. So we know what unconscious bias is. We've talked about that. We've got some different categories that we've looked into. Now the question is, what do we do from here? What do I do? What do we do? Once again, you're no longer longer ignorant. You now know that this exists. Yes. <laughs> and we all have unconscious bias in some area. No one is immune to this. And it goes back to how you were raised, what you've seen, what you've observed and experienced. So a couple different things that we can do. First off, and the most important thing, is looking in the mirror. It's starting with examining yourself, studying yourself, and identifying when do you feel uncomfortable? When do you feel that cortisol rise because you're in a situation that you're not used to? And that's a good first step is going off that feeling and then recognizing, oh, this is abnormal for me. Do I treat this person differently because they're different than me? Or do I treat this person different because they're the same as me? Hmm. So there's actually an example in this TED Talk where Virginia talks about how she is she's one of the executives at her company and her assistant, who's also female, asked her, hey, would you like me to show you how to log your time into the system? And she goes, well, I thought, I thought that's what you do. And she goes, oh, well, it's just, you know, it's sometimes it's just easier for, for you to learn how to do it. So Virginia, who's this executive, goes and asks, and it's interesting because all the executives at her firm or at her company who are female, they have been taught how to log their own time in the system. But none of the men executives were asked if they wanted to learn to do that. And all of their assistants do it automatically for them. So what's interesting is even though it is a female to female relationship, they are treating the executives who are female as if that was that's the admin's job. However, they're treating them differently, saying, yeah, it might just be faster if you do it. So that is an interesting yeah, call out that as is well. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. If you listen to that Ted talk, that is something that I was, I, did, I was like, Oh, I did not think about that. You could treat people differently who are still the same as you because you unconsciously might think, Oh, well, she's a woman. She might just want to take care of this. Right. And the men, I'm not going to bother them with that. Yeah. So, so those are a couple of things to ask yourself. There isn't a fun activity you can do <laughs> because we love activities. Ooh, like activities. <laughs> <laughs> so much room for activity. Uh, This activity is capturing down your top 10 trusted people. You can do this in general, or you can do this in the workplace. Who are your top 10 people you trust in the workplace or professionally? Once you write down those names, go back and look at gender, look at race, look at, um, I mean, every, just every aspect and angle of diversity. I won't list them all out. And then ask yourself age, age. Yeah. Ask yourself, how diverse is this group? Is everyone the exact same as me hmm. or what's their background. And, and it's not, sometimes it's based on your situation and your surroundings. However, it's a good place to start to identify where can you branch out more? 
Or are there people that maybe you haven't invested in or trusted because you are uncomfortable or they are a little bit too different than you and unconsciously you didn't realize that? Yeah. So that's, that's kind of that first step, looking in the mirror. The second thing here is identifying, okay, based on your surroundings, where do you have power to influence? Is there anything politically or structurally at your organization, your business, where you work at home that you can influence? And some really cool things you can do here. So obviously we talked about recruiting. It's so important for HR, and I'm sure in today's day and age, HR goes through a ton of these trainings. But when you're recruiting people, when you're looking for teammates, uh, even when you're on a team, ask yourself, what, what might we need to change? Are there some politics or structure here that's limiting the equality for all different groups? And then the second thing, and I love this, I did this in college in a, a diversity class we took in leadership studies, getting outside your comfort zone. So going to an event or a place with people who are different than you, and you can go with your team or your family or whoever to experience that. And I remember for me, it was going to a Mormon church. I grew up very Catholic and, and, uh, I had a friend who was Mormon and we were challenged to go do something uncomfortable. And I was like, well, uh, I've heard a lot of rumors or a lot of things about Mormons. And I don't like, I really don't understand this. I've never had a conversation, um, that's really deep. And so went to church with this, uh, person in our class and it was just great to like debunk some of those crazy things yeah. that people maybe have told you or you've heard. So that's one example. Maybe it's a cultural festival. Mm-hmm. So think about what are some what are some things you can do to get outside your comfort zone? I also enjoy like it's good to get outside your comfort zone, but especially right now, I feel like that's hard to go out and do things. Oh, so true. Um, changing up what you watch or listen to also if there are some cultures that you feel uncomfortable with or you just don't understand, like seeking out, you can just Google it, like yep. Indian TV shows and then watch them. Yes. And, or different podcasts on different cultures and try to understand what's going on. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the things I love about our company is it is very global and we have different cultural groups and we have these uh, calls now during COVID where you can call in and you can learn about, you know, this holiday or this celebration that's that's Hindu or that's uh, a different race or a different culture. Most commonly, we would do that face to face, non-COVID times. But I think once again, yeah, it's a great a great point is what can you look up on your own or what can you do virtually to continue to invest in this area of debunking and those those. Uh, Debunking those myths maybe you have about different groups, becoming more comfortable and open uh, to different groups and breaking down your unconscious bias. So those are those are just a couple quick steps that you can take. Once again, <laughs> you now know this exists if you did it before. And there's always something we can work on. So really examine yourself, look in the mirror, and then ask yourself, once you've identified a few of these areas, what can you do to, to expand your network, your understanding, and just your presence when it comes to these different different areas where we can better love and be inclusive of all different types of people, whether yeah. that's at home, with your friends, in your organization. Uh, I, we are going to link a couple key resources. Once again, one of those is the TED Talk. Highly encourage you to go listen to it by Virginia Alexander. And then also there's an article, National Equity Project article about implicit bias and racism. Uh, both great things. We'll put those in the podcast notes. So go check our website and you can click and go find those 
really quickly. Also, I love taking tests. Um, <laughs> You're so weird. I know I'm so weird. <laughs> but if you jo- enjoy tests or you just find them helpful, which is what most people do, um, Harvard has a whole bunch of implicit bias tests. Um, I just nice. pulled up the website. It's implicit.harvard.edu. We'll link that too. But you can take all the, these different tests on uh, disability bias or uh, race bias, age bias. You can just you can choose a test and then take it, which I just find really helpful yeah. in understanding your own biases and doing that, looking in the mirror. So this week we want to challenge you. Take one of these steps. Take a moment. Take a few minutes in your day, your week to assess, to look in the mirror of your brain and say, what am I assuming? What are some things that I need to address and then to figure out one of these steps and move forward. It's challenging. It is hard. It's hard to look at your own biases and it's especially hard to address them, but you want to be fair and you want to see people for who they are and not see them for what you assume. So I challenge you to do that. And we are excited to talk with you next week. Talk to you soon. Bye-bye. <laughs>